This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, Episode 105, The Family is Your Greatest Asset, Part 2. Traditional financial planning is no longer working. And in the new normal economy, your hosts, Mark Willis and Holly Bach, invite you to join us as we engage the new and improved steps for establishing financial sanity. Be curious. Be stable. Be sane. This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think different about your money, your economy, and your future. Guys, welcome to the latest episode. We're ready for part two. We promised it last week. We're delivering this week. What do you know? So welcome to the studio today, Holly Bach. Welcome. Thank you, Mark. And I'm uh, your co-host, Mark Willis. So quickly, we wanted to give everyone one final heads up about tomorrow, September 7th, Saturday, September 7th, 2019, 1 p.m. to 2 p.m. Central Time. We want to do a live show. This is our first time to do this. Uh, And we want to know And we want to get to the bottom of, is the bank on yourself concept better than investing in the stock market and buying some term insurance to cover that? So our guest will be Amanda Neely. She's done the numbers. She's crunched the math. Literally looking at the S&P 500 over the the bull market that we've all been going through these last 10 years as of this recording. Uh, So come, come and be a part of it. We'd love to get your questions answered. Come if you have uh, um, you know, questions or, you know, ideas or even uh, uh, quandaries or criticisms. We'd love to hear it. We want uh, you to be a part of our show. So that's going to be tomorrow, uh, September 7th at 1 p.m. Central Time. Adjust for your time zone. So quick announcement there. Anything else, Holly, before we dive in? Nope. Let's go for it. Let's jump on in. Uh, so, guys, we talked in the last episode about the lack of uh, savings uh, that most Americans have, and we dove really deep into that way back in episode two, uh, you know, when, when uh, we first started our show. We've talked otherwise and elsewhere about the massive debt problem that our government has waiting for our future and our children's future, episode 84, if you want to go listen to that. Um, so the government's either going to have to lower Social Security benefits, raise taxes, or even worse, go deeper into debt until we as citizens cannot even service the interest on that debt, in which case we basically become Venezuela or something crazy like that. So <laughs> that is uh, you know, episode 84, but we wanted to bring those two facts up, the lack of savings and the problem of debt in our country as a stage for what we'll be talking about together today. Most financial planners, if you just ask a survey of tr- traditional financial planners, average financial planners are gonna be focused on one thing, they want to get you, the listener, from retirement to death uh, while taking on as many fees as possible for their pocket and keeping you in as much risk as possible uh, on your shoulders. So that is the traditional financial plan going from retirement to debt without much um, awareness or expectation that you might actually need some of that money before you retire. So we here at Not Your Average Financial Podcast Uh, believe that the real concern in financial planning should be centered on how to maximize your wealth, leaving the most money and creating the most wealth for your family. I mean, if it doesn't do that, what good is the plan at that point? Yeah, the modern financial planning industry um, really has only existed for you know about 40 years. It offers essentially four places for people to save their money. Uh, you know, it just kind of boils down to, well, you have the stock market, you have real estate, savings accounts, and retirement plans. There you go. Which would you like? <laughs> mm-hmm. um, all And all of these 
you know, plans or places assume that you take on the risk, that you are stuck with fees. I mean, mortgage interest or asset under management fees, even bank charges, man, those are so Big frustrating. Yep. I know they're small some or sometimes, I mean, not always, but even when they just like try and charge me like five or $20 yep. for random things, I'm like, this is so dumb. Yep. You were literally holding on to tons of my money. Why am I being charged? Mm-hmm. Um, Anyways, that's an aside. Um, and then also with these accounts, you're, you know, they're going to be taxed as yep. well. So all of these things are falling on you. The risk is falling on you. The fees are falling on you. And of course, the taxes are falling on you. So in essence, these are products designed to extract as much wealth out of your pocket and your family pocket as possible. No wonder, I mean, we're in such bad shape as a country in preparing ourselves for future and we're in a retirement crisis. Um, What is the typical financial planner solution to these problems? Well, they say, take on more and more risk. You know, get that (laughs) higher rate of return on our latest and greatest mutual fund, um, ETF, real estate property, or other investment XYZ, etc. And, you know, buy the latest and greatest financial product and it will save you and make all these problems go away. Um, is what they say. But the problem is that it's difficult to get the right solution when you start out with the wrong premise. Um, Einstein once said, you can't solve a problem using the same thought process that created the problem in the first place. Wow, so true. Yeah, it takes a fresh approach, doesn't it, Holly? It, It takes learning to think different, which is what we really aim our podcast to do. Uh, It's time to change that traditional thought process that got many people into this mess in the first place. You know, the solution is to change the approach. That's going to, not the club, but the approach. Uh, That will change your financial life forever. Uh, If being average means being tied up in fees, risk, and taxes, then I don't want to be average. You know, we titled this podcast for the revolutionaries who feel the same way. So it's important to remember that poor people think like poor people think and rich people think like rich people think. We've talked about that in previous episodes. If you're building a financial plan towards poverty, well, guess what? That plan is going to take zero time. It's going to take no effort and bet the results are going to be guaranteed. Mm -hmm. Yep. Too many people are investing their money in the stock market and just not looking at it when the market tanks. They just keep the hold on, wait and see, and it will all be okay. It'll all be all right mindset. But in a world with ever increasing cost of living, increasing taxation and longer life expectancies, our investments won't be able to solve the problem. Already many boomers are facing a retirement where they will never be able to stop working. They work and work and work and never get ahead and they leave very little behind when they pass away. Unfortunately, they do pass on one thing, and that's the same financial lessons and mindset to their children wow. that kind of yeah. got them into the mess. You know, that's what they're leaving as a legacy. Man, that's so true. Yeah, um, Google a uh, uh, jar of fleas on YouTube, I guess you'd want to search on YouTube, jar of fleas experiment. It's tremendous. Even the, the children of the fleas um, stick stuck in that jar, even, uh, even though they've never... Uh, attempted to escape, even if there's no lid on that jar. Tremendous. You're right, Holly. The, the mindset is passed on to the children as a legacy too. So I believe that a new mindset can be passed on if we know how to look for it. And this could be what changes your financial future for you and for your children too. There's a big difference between predicting future results and literally planning for your future. Predicting future results uses math, 
takes a lot of factors into consideration surrounding the problem. The success of traditional financial products are not controlled within those products themselves. Think about that. Let me say that again. The success of traditional financial products, mutual funds, heck, even whole life insurance, is not controlled within the product themselves. In other words, the success of the product is decided by things that you cannot control. And most importantly, you have to have the right mindset to manage that uh, so that you can keep it in your control. And yeah, we're all taught as the average way to save for retirement that we need to invest in stocks and paper assets that go down and up and have no guarantee. I mean, don't involve your greatest asset your family. I mean, those strategies, they don't involve them at all. So in other words, we're taught that your financial success or failure is all up to you and you alone. You are an island, you know, essentially like tasked with trying to figure all this out on your own. Yet we're told over and over again that we're not smart enough to manage our own financial future. So we're taught to hire professional money managers. We're told to outsource everything to someone else and don't tell anyone about money because that's not really, yeah, that's not really acceptable either. That's very taboo. So the four most dangerous words in your financial vocabulary are do it for me. Wow, deep. You could just drop the mic if it wasn't attached to this boomstick here, Holly. So so let me ask you two very important questions, guys, that might at first feel totally unrelated to your retirement, your financial life. Number one, are you a part of a loving family? Number two, are your parents still alive? Okay, so those are the two questions. Again, doesn't sound much like a financial plan so far, right? If you said yes to both of those things, I can guarantee that it would be easier for you to add an additional $1 million to your inheritance than you could get that million going to get it in the stock market or in your 401k. So hang on with me here, gang. We're going to be going into some numbers here, but you know, I want to ask the question, and Holly, you brought up earlier, why are we islands in our financial lives? Why are we siloing our financial lives? What's been the result of that? You know, all that seems to happen with keeping our own private individual financial life is that we each have our own credit cards, our own mortgages, and our own 401ks, that sort of thing. What if instead we work together and we use the family as our greatest asset? So what if we worked with our aging parents to buy life insurance on their lives, which would immediately create an inheritance for ourselves? What if siblings shared together a contribution for policies on the parents? It would not only provide an instant inheritance with a guaranteed rate of return, usually in the double digits, income tax-free for the adult children, but the death benefit could also provide long-term care insurance for the parents if they needed they needed it um, in their final years. Could your 401k you know, do all or really any of that wow. because you know so, so often who does that burden for long-term care to fall on you yeah. know sometimes the kids to pick up the pieces so here you're kind of creating a tool where either your parents can use it for their long-term care or you receive it as inheritance either way you come out ahead right good yeah so think about it when are you most likely going to have that ultimate day where your adult parents your elderly parents might pass away You guessed it. It's going to be right around the same time that their adult children, you, might be ready to retire. Yeah. So instead of pouring your hard-earned retirement savings into financial vehicles that you can't get access to, can't control the outcome of, and will mercilessly ravage you with fees and taxes right when you need the cash throughout your retirement years, consider putting at least a portion of your savings into life insurance on your parents. As a result, you get a guaranteed death benefit inheritance you funded yourself. 
What we found is parents are proud and happy to help since they wouldn't need to put any money into the policy themselves. Um, and it would allow you know them to be able to leave you um, a greater inheritance when they pass away. So you're right, Holly. This is called the family asset concept. Uh, but we have a book by Lynn Rainier we'd love to send to you if you reach out to us. Uh, Lynn Rainier wrote uh, The Family Legacy, and we'd love to give you a copy. We have a couple extra in our office. You'll have to email hello at nyafinancialpodcast.com. And this, I believe, really, honestly, I think that this type of planning uh, could be the next generation of financial planning in this country. If we're not having to rely solely solely on stocks, bonds, and mutual funds, but we can incorporate the asset of the family. So let's put some practical numbers around this idea. So let's imagine a couple, Stan and Jane, let's say that they're 35 years old and they wanted to put together the family asset concept for their mother-in-law. Okay, so Stan and Jane wanted to fund the policy uh, and their mother-in-law is the insured. Okay, I know. All right, all right, I get it. You can save me all the funny mother-in-law life insurance jokes here, okay? But work with me here. So Stan and Jane have a loving relationship with their mother-in-law and was willing to be, and she was willing to be the insured, but honestly, she just didn't have much extra cash to put in to the policy. So the adult children, Stan and Jane, were gonna be the payers and the owners and the beneficiaries of that life insurance. The mother-in-law is merely the insured at that point. So as of 2019, when we're recording this, the maximum Stan and Jane could put into their 401k was 19,000 bucks. So shouldn't they just invest in the market with their own individualized 401ks? We ran the figures and found that they'd need essentially a guaranteed 12% return each and every year in their 401k just to keep up with what the life insurance was gonna be able to offer them. Let me break that down somewhat. So first of all, is 12% guaranteed written anywhere on your 401k? Holly, do you, do you know of anybody who has a guarantee printed on their 401k statement? Um, no, I don't. No, not, not even one? Okay, just <laughs> no. checking, just checking. Not even a 1% guarantee. Okay, <laughs> uh, so except for that 1% fee, right? Okay, yeah, that's yeah. guaranteed. Okay, just checking. So instead, they wanted to max out something other than their 401k, and Stan and Jane felt like they could put the max. They could throw 19 grand a year into their brand new life insurance policy rather than their 401k. Now, quick side note, you could totally make any contributions to your whole life policy on your parents as you wish, okay? The focus is not the specific numbers, but the concept, okay? So it's important to remember that you only wanna use dividend paying whole life insurance for this particular strategy. This is so the policy never expires, for example, like term insurance would. And the death benefit on uh, dividend paying whole life insurance will continue to increase with dividends which you definitely want to make sure is the yeah. case as well. So um, immediately after Stan and Jane paid their first year contribution to the whole life policy of 19000 it created a tax-free death benefit of $856,000. Holy smokes. Okay, so nineteen grand goes in. Day one, they have yep. a death benefit of? 856000 Come on, that's crazy. Yep. Okay. So first premium goes in and they have 856000 that they would be getting um, should anything happen to the mother-in-law. As the years go on though, the cash value begins to build up quite nicely and so does the death benefit. So when we're at the point 22 years later, so 22 payments have gone in at their, and this is at their mother-in-law's life expectancy age of 78. So mm -hmm. mother-in-law is now 78 and 
Uh, the death benefit is already north of $970,000. So that's an increase of over $120,000 from where they started. Um, the increase from day one to 22 years later. More than keeping up with inflation, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. So their almost million-dollar tax-free inheritance was made on their contributions over 22 years. Wow. So what would what would they have needed to do in a 401k just to keep up with that? So remember, the, the number I quoted you guys was 12%. How did we get there? So remember, uh, the number in a 401k is going to be taxed, meaning you're going to need a higher rate of return on your 401k just to keep up with a tax-free income tax-free death benefit. So if you're, let's say you're in a combined tax rate of 40%, which would be 33% federal tax and then a 7% average state tax, that means your 401k would not need 970,000 bucks, but it's gonna need to have $1.38 million just to equal the life insurance benefit of $970,000, which of course the life insurance is left tax-free, but you'd need to have some money in your 401k to shill out to the Uncle Sam's of the world. Uh, remember uh, that that means you're going to need not uh, the return of the life insurance, but you'd need at least 8.6% to cover the taxes of the 401k. But it doesn't stop there. Remember, the advisor and fund fees uh, are going to come off that 401k every year as well. So let's just keep it cheap and say that it was a 1% a year asset center management fee that's going to be annually siphoned off your money out of that 401k and not going to your family, but instead going to the investment advisor. Okay, so your returns would need to get pushed even higher, m meaning we'd need to move that return up to 10.5% to factor in the fees on your 401k. There's no getting around that fee. No one is doing 401ks for charity, as far as I am aware. Uh, there's no <laughs> free lunch out there, right? There are no investment fees, however, on a whole life policy. Okay, so if you're keeping track with me here, that means so far we'd need at least 10.5% guaranteed in your 401k just to keep up with Stan and Jane's life insurance. Okay, finally, the rate of return on a 401k does not go up in a straight line. Remember, straight line projections don't happen in the stock market. So 10.5% is the straight line projection. But if we factor in any market volatility at all, which has there been any market volatility in the last few years? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. The market just, you know, it always it does 12% yeah. every year, guaranteed. So we'd need a higher rate of return to get our average rate of return of 10.5%. By the way, this is why we are uh, referring to this show as the Not Your Average Financial Podcast. We're not fans of averages around here on this show. <laughs> and remember, there's no such thing, again, as an average return in the stock market. Uh, volatility is another way to say inefficiency. Hmm. To build in the slack and account for volatility, we need to increase your 401k returns even more. So no one knows the future, but if we have the same volatility over the next 22 years we had over the last 22 years in the S&P 500, we'd need to add another 1.2% to account for the difference between the average annual return of the market and the actual return of your money. So for those of you keeping track at home, we're now looking at 12% annualized guaranteed return in your 401k 
just to keep up with what your life insurance policy did without any market risk or volatility. Wow. Show me a 401k that can do all that. I mean, at 12% annualized, if you factor in fees, volatility, and taxes, Stan and Jane would need to accumulate $2.1 million in their 401k just to equal the death benefit of $970,000 that they were going to receive at their mother-in-law's passing. Which of those two numbers seems more attainable for you or for Stan and Jane for that matter? Yeah. I mean, $970,000 um, death benefit not only seems easier just from the fact of that's an easier number to to save up and accumulate than 2.1, but then even knowing the fact that by nature with a death benefit, it will always be greater than what you've paid in. Sure. So yeah. you don't, that just because the death benefit's 970 does not mean that you've put 970,000 in. You've actually put in something yeah, much, for, actually, much less. Actually, uh, the, the number works out to 418,000 over 22 years. So that's yeah. you know less than half of what they would receive as a death benefit. Yeah. Wow. Good point, Holly. Awesome stuff. Love it. So that is just crazy. But, you know, we're not done yet with the life insurance policy. There is no volatility. It does grow in a straight line. Uh, There are no investment fees. There's no income taxes due under current law. Uh, So we know with a high degree of confidence and certainty that that death benefit will be growing with dividends, which aren't guaranteed. But with confidence, we can say that they've paid for over 100 years straight. And by the way, while this policy is not designed for early cash value, you know, it's really designed for the death benefit first and foremost. Over the years, Stan and Jane really do begin to accumulate some nice cash value that they can use for different things during their lifetime while their mother-in-law is still with them. You know, they can use it as down payments for their home, sending their own children to college and lots more. You know, for example, let's say in year 15, around the same time their child might need some college money, they have $278,000 in cash value that they can spend and use for any reason. So we'll include the case study spreadsheet in our show notes. I think this one will be really fun for the folks that really want to dive into the numbers. Um, but, you know, that's, that's what the family asset concept can look like in a real context. Yeah, and you have a, you have a real opportunity here. Um, you know, adult children, who is kind of our, our, our audience for today's episode. Um, solve the problem first, then plan for that solve rather than just trying to, again, you know, go meet and follow traditional advice where it's you have these four options, pick one, you know, Mm -hmm. pick, pick your, you know, tool versus, okay, you know, what's my problem, identify the problem, and then, you know, plan for that solution. So most people are told by their financial planners, you know, you're building your financial future day by day, save for retirement, squeeze and scrimp and save. Um, but I mean, we don't buy our houses that way, right? We don't buy them brick by brick. Then we move in 30 years from now. No, we buy the house we want and then we're paying for it Mm -hmm. over the next 30 years. Um, why doesn't every person in this country with parents already have, you know, a million dollars plus inheritance? They're thinking like that builder who's doing it one brick at a time. They're thinking the wrong way. Um, and financial, you know, planners are making out like bandits as a result. Yeah. So if you're listening to this and you're an adult child, you know, you're in your 30s, 40s, or even 50s, and you've got aging parents, we want to speak to you now about uh, you as you're working toward your retirement. You know, in our last episode, we talked to elderly parents who are preparing to care for their children and uh, leave an inheritance. But if you have aging parents and you maybe also have young children that are preparing for college, we want to talk to you very quickly about this today. So 
you know, if you're like me with uh, older parents and young children, you kind of feel like the peanut butter in that financial sandwich, right? I'm talking about massive wealth transfers to banks, universities, uh, colleges, nursing homes. You know, how much money is going to leave your pocket when you total up your kid's education, your financial needs of your aging parents? You know, on, on one slice of the bread, you got the cost of college going up at nearly double the rate of inflation. And a child under 10 years old today is going to need about a quarter million dollars just to go to a public university. And meanwhile, on the other side of the sandwich, a new report by Millman says that a healthy 65-year-old couple retiring this year are going to need about $369,000 in today's money. So that's 551 grand in future dollars on health care over their remaining lifetime. And the nursing home costs on top of that uh, might total more than $250,000 uh, over a 2.8 year stay in a nursing home. That's huge. Yeah, absolutely. And so simple math reveals your aging parents will likely need over $750,000 in retirement just to cover health care and long term care expenses, not to mention their other needs like, you know, groceries hmm. <laughs> uh, and that sort of thing. So do your parents have that? And if you've just one child going to college, now we're over $1 million. Oh, and don't forget, you should probably also save for your own retirement too. So, I mean, that's that's also a thing. This is starting to feel more like creamy peanut butter, less crunchy, more creamy as it gets crushed. Right. <laughs> yeah. Got it. If you can use your bank on yourself type policy um, on yourself, why couldn't you on a policy on mom and dad and create and fund your own Rockefeller style inheritance and simultaneously protect yourself against the possibility of spending out of pocket for your parents' long-term care um, expenses that might come up. So I assume you don't want them in the you know Medicaid facilities as well. So why not take care of that um, now before they get to that stage in life in the first place? Yeah, so with these bank on yourself type policies that we work with, we do have the option, Holly, you brought it up, uh, I think rightly, that we can add these options to the policy, which allows the owner of the policy to access the death benefit while the insured or your aging parent might still be alive for specific things like assisted living or home health care or long-term care expenses, or heck, just grab a lump sum and go on a worldwide cruise. You know, <laughs> you can essentially use the money for essentially anything you want. So, right. That's right. So your parents might pass away peacefully in their sleep. And if so, they'd leave you a larger tax-free inheritance, you know, with significant returns. Or if they did require assisted living or assisted care, you could use that death benefit, money you didn't necessarily save or they didn't necessarily save to help give your mom or dad dignity in their final years. And then they'd still leave you an inheritance uh, from that life insurance policy when they passed away. So what are some takeaways from today's episode, Holly? Yeah, so if you're seeing this train <laughs> uh, coming right at you, there's two responses. You can start building up the wall of money to block that train from ever reaching you, you know, laying brick by brick, saving and scrimping, putting together this million dollars to cover the needs of your children and your aging parents. Um, the train would come right at you and probably blow through that small pile of bricks right. that you were able to do over time. Um, so what if there's a better way? You know, what if you could simply change tracks and automatically have these expenses covered for pennies on the dollar? Yeah, that's exactly what life insurance does, guys. I mean, we've we've seen it for generations. It's been here for a very long, over 150 years. Life insurance has been a tool that's been used for generations among the very wealthy, specifically to leverage pennies for dollars. 
Okay, so remember that rich people think like rich people, poor people think like poor people. Think like the wealthy and you're going to become wealthy over time, over time. So one takeaway, another takeaway might be to call up mom and dad, muster up the courage and just talk to them. Say, hey, mom and dad, I know you love me. I know you have a lot of financial obligations to cover in your retirement years. I know you want to leave me an inheritance. What if I could show you a way to leave me more money without saving another dime? Would you be open to a discussion about that? If they say yes to that, then it's easy enough to schedule a time on our calendars. We're here. Go to our show notes. You can click request a meeting. You can go to our website, nyafinancialpodcast.com and click request a meeting and we're ready to chat. You know, we're, we, we don't bite. We can talk about it from uh, your aging parents' perspective or yours. So here to help with anything and everything in that regard. But guys, this most importantly is about a change in mindset to think of your family as the greatest asset. Any final thoughts, Holly? No, I think we have thoroughly <laughs> um, gone over this this topic and left our listeners between part one and part two. A lot of um, hopefully good insights, food for thought um, for you to think about as you, um, yeah, just kind of go about thinking about your future and um, different ways you can be leveraging your circumstances, right? I mean, everyone's situation is unique. And so why not use some of the uniqueness of your situation to um, help yourself, benefit yourself um, rather than and, you know, just letting potential opportunity um, be lost. So good. So you are unique, just like everybody else, guys. So <laughs> final thoughts there. So thank you, everybody, for joining us for another episode of Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think different about your money, your family, your economy, and your future. This has been another episode of the Not Your Average Financial Podcast. To join a financial revolution and start thinking different about money, go to www.nyafinancialpodcast.com and click Request a Meeting. The topics presented in this podcast are for general information only and not for the purposes of providing legal, accounting, or investment advice. On such matters, please consult a professional who knows your specific situation.